we've been in Lamentations the last two weeks. Lamentation 1, Lamentation 2. Um, Lamentations is a uh, book of five Lamentations. They're five poems written by the same author. It's after the destruction of Jerusalem and uh, when the Babylonians came in and conquered uh, Jerusalem. So um, in chapter one, it talked about the city. It talked about Lady Zion. It talked about um, just the ruin, the disaster. Um, how many of you guys remember that I said it's an acrostic? Okay, great. Uh, a through Z, well, in the Hebrew alphabet, it doesn't have a Z, right? But there's 22 characters in the Hebrew alphabet, and it goes A to the end. And uh, so it goes one verse at a time. There's a, a letter to start, Alf, okay, Beth, Gimel, Dalf, and it, it has these things. Okay, so, so, and I'm not a Hebrew scholar, so if I said that wrong and you know it, okay, good for you. All right, so, so you have all that, and then in the second chapter, he does it again. He cries out to God again, and it's very organized as 22 little pieces together, right? And, uh, and they're one verse at a time. And then this, and he's talking about the people and the suffering of the people. And then you get to our chapter right now, chapter 3. Open up your Bibles to Lamentations chapter 3. And I want to give you um, this. I'm setting a clock so I don't go way over. How about that? Um, I want to give you this. Uh, this is a personal lament. This is a poem that the prophet wrote. Jeremiah, we believe, is the prophet that wrote this. This is a poem that he wrote about his own personal experience with the Lord, his own personal suffering. This is the cornerstone, the capstone, the centerpiece of the whole book. You came on the right day. This is it. You got to take this home with you. You got to practice this. This is important. So the title of the message today is Hope in God. How does that set on your soul? Hope in God. About three months ago, that would have set on my soul like, not happening. God who? God hates me. Right? I'll get to that in a little bit. But maybe you're in that spot today. We're like, God's not good. We say goodness of God, but yeah, every breath that I'm able, I'm not able. Right? And uh, that's a reality too. It's been a reality for me in the past. Maybe it's a reality for you right now. I want to acknowledge that as a real thing. We're all going through suffering. We're all going through trials of various kinds. And it's hard. So how hard is it for you right now? That's the question I want to start with. How hard is it for you right now? Just recount your struggles a little bit. Personal trials. Maybe some struggles with sin. People calling your names. We got all this school turmoil. Are we going back? Are we not? And how much? And you got work turmoil. Are you in the office or you're not? And wearing a mask or not? And you got national turmoil. I mean, just think about where you're at on that. If you're listening to any of the news, man, you're having a bad day today. Because it's it's hard. Sickness, suffering, sadness. Have I touched on what you're dealing with yet? Maybe giving up on God or even his church. It's a reality. 
And you're going to see that reality right here from Lamentations chapter 3. When trials come and tragedy strikes, how are we going to respond? Look at Lamentations chapter 3, verse 1. I am the man who has seen affliction under the rod of his wrath. He has given me, he has driven me and brought me into darkness without any light. Kind of sounds like Psalm 23, 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, right? No light. Surely against me, he turns his hand again and again the whole day long. Now, I want you to notice, he said, I and me, and look at the next verse. He has made my flesh and my skin waste away. He has broken my bones. There's a lot of I, me, my monster going on in this first 20 verses. And as you go through it, I can't read the whole thing for you. I'll be way over time. But as you go through it today, I want you to go back and read Lamentations 3 today on your own. I want you to seal this message on your heart. I want you to see that I've got these points from the text. As you go back, I want you to circle I, me, my, me, my, I, me, my. You know, it's like it's all there. Here's the point. When trials come and tragedy strikes, if I focus on myself, Life seems hopeless. If you have notes, write that down. When trials come and tragedy strikes, we're going to learn to lament, right? But here's the first step. If I focus on myself, life seems hopeless. You know what? Whatever you're going through, if you focus on yourself, life seems hopeless. Imagine that. In my own strength, I can't do it. Imagine that. I'm human. He he makes it so clear. Look at verse uh, 4 again. It says, he broke my bones. And then a little farther down in verse 7, he says, he made my chains heavy. And then it says in verse 9, my paths crooked. (laughs) And then in verse uh, 11, he made me desolate. (laughs) He made me a laughingstock of all people. He made me bitter like wormwood. My favorite is maybe in verse 16. Can you imagine your kids walking up, putting a load of gravel in their mouth and just chewing it? That's gross. None of us want that for our kids. None of us would do that ourselves. We're we're smarter than that. But that's what he's saying. He's saying it's like he made my teeth grind on gravel and made me cover in ashes, cower in ashes. Verse 17 My soul is bereft of peace. So I want to share with you from my experience. um, The church was nice enough to, during the revitalization process, say, Steve, you're hurting. You need to be revitalized too. We're going to give you three months. We want you to get yourself healthy. Get yourself healthy is probably the wrong way to say it. We want you to submit to the Lord and he will make you healthy. And uh, I got to tell you, May 2020, haven't really talked about my back in a while. May 2020 was a little interesting. On May 2nd, I woke up with a great back and I went to bed in the fetal position, right? And so the same back I had surgery on in December 2018 was worse, right? And it's like, ugh. Not only was I dealing with that physical ailment, but then I said to God, God, that's too much. All the church stuff, all the personal stuff, Now I'm going to have the physical stuff, mental, emotional, spiritual. I'm done. 
And about over the course of the first week of May, I was just down in the dumps. Have you ever been there? Ever been like so angry at God that you're like, I'm focused on myself and life seems hopeless. That's where I was. And it took me about a month to work that out. It took good friends, Ed, Robert, others, my wife. My wife was like, what is wrong with you? (laughs) Honestly. And uh, you know what? Nothing was wrong with me. It's what God had for me. Sometimes God needs to take you through the valley of the shadow of death. He asks us to fear no evil. Whether we'll do it or not is up to us. Because his rod and his staff, they comfort us. Right? We try to do it in our own strength. When we try to focus on ourselves. it doesn't work out. So back in the text, that's my personal experience. June became a much better month, I want you to know. July, even better. In August, I am just like loving the Lord right now. And so if you're in a bad spot, we'll call it the valley of the shadow of death, there's hope. There's hope in God. Put your hope there. Put your gaze on him. Look what happens here. My soul is bereft of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. Yep. So I say my endurance has perished. Uh Uh-huh. No strength left. Laying in bed, weeks on time, right? So, so has my hope from the Lord. Like, I got nothing. And then he says, remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. Who's he talking to? Church, who's he talking to? Who's he talking to? It's like, me, my, me, my, he's done this, you know? And then he gets here and he's like, remember my affliction and my wanderings? The wormwood and my gall? I think he finally is like, God, you remember? Finally, he's going to shake his fist at God and he's going to acknowledge God and he just looks up and he says, God, do you remember my afflictions and my wanderings? As soon as he looks back at God, something changes. He gets a right view. When he takes his eyes off himself and puts his eyes back on God, look what happens. Look at verse 20. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. Oh, now you're going to bow? You're not going to shake your hand in God's face? Oh, yeah, because you've seen God. You're like right with him. Okay, now. And then he gets to verse 21. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. So the first point, just to finish it, if I focus on myself, life seems hopeless. There's this hymn. And the words of it are this, prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Remember those phrases? If you've been in church, you've heard those phrases. I think... He gets to the point where he's like, my wanderings. And he goes like, yes, I'm the one that's prone to wander. I'm the one that's left you, God. You haven't left me. And there's a turning point here. Unbelief causes us to look at God through our circumstances. And this creates hopelessness. But faith enables us to look at our circumstances through the reality of God. And and this gives us hope. Our circumstances, yeah, 
They change. And so do our feelings about them. But God is always good, always loving, always merciful, always kind. That's his character. And he never changes. Hebrews, if you need a verse for that, Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. All right, let's move into the next point. Here's the next point. I'll give it to you before I start. Number two, when trials come and tragedy strikes, when I remember God's goodness, I will hope again. When the trial comes, and it will, when the tragedy strikes, and it might happen again this week, what will you respond? Well, when I remember God's goodness, I will hope again. See that from verses 21 through 26. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. You were just in the dumps, bro. What happened? He turns a corner hard, and then he says this, the steadfast love, the loyal love, the seed love of God never ceases. His mercies, his compassion never come to an end. His compassion, they are never, or they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, my soul says. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. Even in prayer, we seek him, right? It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. So sometimes in prayer, we just sit and wait. Sometimes we're just silent before the Lord. We wait for him to speak. The point is, when I remember God's goodness, I will hope again. Look at the words here. Remember, the prophet looks back into history. He looks back into history. He looks back into what God had done for Israel. And he sees this, that memory plays an important part in lament. I want you to flip back to Exodus 34. Exodus 34, just quickly flip back to Exodus 34. Let me just read for you some history. This is, I know uh, Ron Smith had us studying through uh, the book of Exodus, and uh, I think he might have mentioned this first. Let me get you back there. Exodus 34, look at verse 6. This is right after the golden calf and the sin. This is right after uh, God's like, I'm not going anywhere with you people. And Moses pleads with him, God, if you don't go with us, is it not you going with us that makes us distinct? If you don't go with us, we're not even going forward. Don't you feel like that, church? We're not going to be a church tomorrow if God's not going. I mean, we're not going without him. I'm not doing mamby-pamby, like, man-made church. Like, no way. So, I'm with Moses. God, if you're not going with us, and then he gets to this. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, Yahweh, Yahweh, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping his steadfast love for thousands, thousands of generations, forgiving iniquity and transgression, sin and sin and sin. <laughs> it's like triple it. But who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children 
and the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. And Moses quickly bowed his head towards the earth and worshiped. Why? One, God's speaking to him. I mean, get low. Two, it's like this sin of the golden calf, this could go to three, four generations. And he said, if now I have found favor in your sight, O Lord, please let the Lord go in the midst of us. For it is a stiff-necked people. And pardon our iniquity and our sin and take us for your inheritance. Listen, church. Sin's an issue. It's always been an issue. We talked about that last week. Healthy holiness. Sin's our issue. We've sinned again. Like, if it was your issue last weekend, it's your issue again this weekend, right? And repentance is the thing. Moses comes back. He wasn't part of the golden calf, was he? Sin's not just personal. It's corporate. And pardon our iniquity and our sin. He takes responsibility. And take us for your inheritance. Back to our text in Lamentations 3. That sounds a lot like verse 24. The Lord is my portion, my inheritance. Therefore, I will have hope in him. He's recounting the past. And he's choosing these words. And he's going to focus on them. Here's the first word, hope. Hope is waiting with expectancy. Do you have hope today? Because this is a word you should focus on, hope. Steadfast love. Loyal love. It's loving love. It's love beyond love that you've ever known before. It's God's love. It's covenant love. It's the kind of act that is not required by civil law. I don't have to say I love you, but it springs forth from the concerned character of the one who acts. I'm concerned for you, so I want to say I love you. That's God. God's like, I have pity on you. Satan has twisted you up with sin. Eve sinned, Adam sinned, it's passed down to you, you're sinners too. You can't even help yourself. And I have pity on you. I love you. It's a covenant love. It doesn't depend on your best effort. I hope that's encouragement for someone that's really trying to work their way to God tonight. Can't do it. This is a covenant love. He loves you no matter what, unconditionally, sacrificially. And then mercies or compassion. Mercies or compassion. So hope, steadfast love, mercies, compassion, different in different versions. So I'm using both words. That's parental concern. The word there in Hebrew, actually, like, just change it just a little bit and it's womb. There's a baby in your womb. It's secure. (laughs) There's protection. And when the baby comes out of the womb, Kaylin and Alex Matos had a baby. You guys pray for them. Uh, Newest member of our church, right? And, and, and so that baby now not protected? No. They, the two of them are like, oh, we'll protect this guy. We'll protect Damian Russell. We're going to protect him. And God's like that. God says, my mercy and compassion are for you. It's a parental concern that he has for you. And then faithfulness. That's the last word. Hope, steadfast love, mercy, compassion, faithfulness. I can't give you any more than that, but let me do this. Study the goodness of God. Get your eyes on God's goodness and it'll take you off of yourself and your circumstance. 
Will you do that, church? Think about it now. Are you going to go study these words? I want to read it to you from Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter, I said 8, Romans chapter 5. Let me just read these for you. This is just to encourage you. Just listen. Just listen. Encourage you right now. Romans 8. Did I say 8 again? I keep thinking it's 8 because it's Romans 5, 8 that I'm going to get to. Romans 5. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, do you have believe in Jesus Christ? We have peace with our God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, Jesus, we have also obtained access to the Father by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Wasn't expecting that turn. Knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts. Through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. I don't know where you're at with the Holy Spirit, but I pray that you're opening up your heart to him and that he's filling you with a fullness that you've never had today. Let him fill you. For while we were still weak, anybody feeling weak in this world? At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Guilty as charged. For one would scarcely die for a righteous person, if you were really good, maybe. Though perhaps for a good person, one would even dare to die. If you kind of like, not here, but here, maybe. Maybe I dare to die for you. But this is the key, verse 8. But God shows his love for us. Personalize that. God shows his love for you, Todd. God shows his love for you, Joe. God shows his love for you, Mel. God shows his love for us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It didn't depend on your best effort. It wasn't something you could do to earn it. He's like, you're lost. You're broken. You're crying in a heap. And I'm going to pick you up. And I'm going to pay your debt. I'm going to forgive you of all your sins. When I remember the goodness of God, I will hope again. Maybe you need that today. Maybe you just have to find your hope in Jesus Christ and the cross again today. Do you believe God is listening when you cry out to him? Are you willing to call out to him? This last point from the last few verses here. So much I would want to read, but skip to verse 40. I want you to notice that the prophet has turned from contemplating his misery to remembering God's mercy, yet... Look now, in the last part, he's still experiencing the pain and sorrow. His mind has changed, but he's still under it. He's still under the hardship, yet he has a total different perspective. Look at it. Verse 39. Why should a living man complain, a man, about the punishment of his sins? Why should I shake my hand in God's fist and say it's not good? When I deserve nothing. Deserve hell and death. Verse 40. He turns it. Let us test and examine our ways. And return to the Lord. Let us lift up our hearts and hands. To God in heaven. 
Like, let's go, church. Let's get our hands up on the closing song. Let's return to the Lord. Let's lift our hearts. Let's lift our hands to God Almighty. Why? Because He's alone is worthy. Then look at verse 49. I'll skip over a few things. My eyes will flow without ceasing, without respite. If you had any sleepless nights, any cry, any tears, yeah. Any breakdown? Until the Lord from heaven looks down and sees. You see, there was a focus on self before, and now there's a focus on God in heaven and his view, what God sees. My eyes cause me grief. Look at verse 55. Right before that, the three words right before verse 55, what are they? Somebody yell it out. I am lost. He just gets, he gets low. And he's just like, I am lost. This is after he acknowledges the goodness of God. There's still suffering. There's still pain. He's like, I am lost. And I called on your name, O Lord, from the depths of the pit. Yeah, that was me. You heard my plea. Do not close your ear to my cry for help. God, are you listening? You came near when I called to you, and you said, what does it say? Sometimes it's good for you just to say it. What does it say? What does it say? Do not fear. Do not fear. Reminds me again of uh, Psalm 23, 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of the death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. It's protection for my good shepherd. Do not fear. You have taken up my cause, verse 58. You have taken up my cause, O Lord. You have redeemed my life. When we return to the Father through the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, our Lord, and we confess and repent of our sins, that we're lost, that we need a Savior. It may not change our circumstances, but it will definitely change our perspective. That's the key. The key isn't to change your circumstances. The key in this passage is to change your perspective. At first, all I can see is myself, and I have no hope. And then I look at God square in the face because I remember his goodness and I say, I can hope again. And here's the third point. When I return to God, I will not fear. This world is so full of fear. You have feared something this week that you shouldn't have because Jesus is Lord. I've had fear about things I shouldn't have this week because I know Jesus is king. When I return to God, I will not fear. Because perfect love, that Hasid love, that loyal love, that steadfast love of God, it casts out fear. I'm not concerned. I'm not shaking my boots. I'm not trembling, though the world may quake. No. My hope is in God. I want you to look at this example. Just think of it in your mind because I can't turn or anything. Like think of the disciples. 
Think of those 12 rascals. Have you read the New Testament? What a bunch of rascals. What a bunch of scoundrels. Riffraff. Street trash, right? That Jesus Christ goes, yeah, let's go, guys. We're going to change the world. And they don't have a clue. And they try and try their best, but they don't get what Jesus is doing. They're selfish. They're focused on themselves. Who's going to be greatest in the kingdom? They're scared. They run off when he gets captured and arrested. Peter even denies Jesus, and he's the leader of the group. But can you post-cross that thing? Can you go after the cross when Jesus Christ raises from the dead? How their life changes, how the way they act, their boldness is off the charts. They're not concerned about what you think about if they wear a mask or not. They're not concerned. You know, they're loving, but they're lovingly firm with Jesus is the key. We have to get to Jesus. They are confident in Christ. And the way they... He thinks he's hiding. And the way they go about it is completely amazing. What's the difference, people? What's the difference? It's the cross. It's the cross. That's the difference. All right. Look at the very end. You have taken up my first 58. I got to close it up. You have taken up my cause, O Lord, and you have redeemed my life. Look at verse 59. You, You have seen the wrong done to me. Oh, Lord, judge my cause. Yeah, there's some things that have happened to you that aren't right. And look, Just look at verse 60. You have seen God. Look at verse 61. You have heard God. Look at verse 64. You will repay God. Look at verse 65. You will give. You will curse them. Look at verse 66. That's the end. You will pursue. You will destroy them. God is the vindicator. God is the one in your lament that is the only person that can make it right. He can make your own self look at yourself in a right way, and he can make you look at the circumstances you're dealing with in a right way, in a God-sized way. So, let me just end this way. So how can I change my mind today? Because if I haven't convinced you yet, you're like, oh, no, I still think the same. Well, how can I change your mind today? Here it is. Three things. These are the action points for the message. If you want to go from despair, the me monster, the myself and focus on me, through the cross to God, you will do it. I have hope in you and I have faith in you. You're going to do it that he has at the end. Here's how you're going to do it. Remember the cross. When's the last time you went to a gospel and just opened it up and read about the cross? Do that today. Remember the cross. Return to the cross. Return to the cross. Do it daily. Prone to wander, God, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. But the rest of the song is all about returning to the cross. And then this last one, refocus on the cross. You see, remember the cross in verses 22 and 24. You see, return to the cross in verses 39 through 41. You see, refocus on the cross in verses 49, 50, 55 through 58. If you go back and look back and you remember the cross, you return to the cross and you refocus on the cross, you're going to see 
the perfect example of Jesus Christ our Lord, the suffering that he did, and that's the way we can go through suffering as well. We can lament. All right, I've taken enough of your time. I hope and pray that this has affected you and impacted you. Let me just read this in closing. This is from Warren Wearsby. It just really impacted me this week. God saw the wrongs that were done to his servant and were all his servants. And he heard all the lies that were told about him. But no matter what people may say about us, about you, follower of Jesus Christ, or about me, no matter what people say about us or do to us, the Lord is on our side. Even in times of chastening, God didn't desert his servants, nor will he desert us. I hope that that creates hope in God for you today. Let's pray. God, I thank you. I thank you for your word. It is precious. This passage of scripture might be one of my all-time favorites. It's hard because I'm selfish and I'm a me monster and I want to focus on me and therefore I get hopeless. But God, when the goodness of your loving kindness, of your mercy, of your tenderness, when I remember the things you've done and the things you're going to do to rescue me from my sin, I am astounded and I return to you, God, and I will have no fear. What can man do to me? You are the Lord. I answer to you. You're the judge of all things. Judge my heart correctly. Chasten me if needed. But help me to have the right perspective. Help me to keep my eyes on the cross, on Jesus Christ, the cornerstone of our faith. Lord, we give it all to you. We lay down our trials. It's hard. This is a tragic time for our country. It's a difficult time for our families. And our church, yeah, it's hard there too. We just want to focus on you again and we'll get our heads up and have a little hope. So as the sun's out, as we lift our voices, may we raise our hands and our hearts to you, proclaiming that our hope is in you. I pray this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.